Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live Wide Open. Off the end of the back straightaway. Larson's going to send it. Larson's in the wall. Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keselowski's in line. Now he turns him. Boot team Penske cars crash. Keselowski is up in a ball of flame. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now. Here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live Wide Open. I'm Mike Bagley, joined by producer Trey and the rest of the MRN crew. So glad you're with us for our weekly get-together. Hope you enjoyed the first. There'll be many more to come in 2022. Every Thursday, we'll drop a new episode. And of course, this episode is on the heels of the season opening bush light clash at the Coliseum. I'm going to bring in producer Trey right now. Let's give you uh, our take, our thoughts. Trey, I'll begin with you. What did you think about what we experienced on Sunday? I think it was an absolute home run. I think the, the expectations were exceeded for an exhibition race moving forward, whether it's the clash to start off the season or whether it's the all-star race in the middle of the year. So you can maybe go to different markets with this kind of concept. The concept works. It was an absolute slam dunk. All of the, all of the naysayers were kind of put to bed. And if you're still out there on Twitter complaining about the clash, I don't know what else you (laughs) wanted from that race because from the from the heats to what we ended up getting getting in the main event the last the second last chance qualifier was probably the the best race of the day i think it was an absolute slam dunk in that market the the youngness of the crowd pitbull ice cube i don't think it could have gone any better i think it was was absolutely perfect and moving forward going back to la moving it to different stadiums maybe we see i mean there were questions about, you know, is this feasible? Cause there's not a garage. There's not things like that. Maybe we could even stretch as far as going to, you know, uh, old short tracks for, you know, a summer shootout type all-star race. There are so many things that can be spawned off of this. It was an absolute slam dunk in my opinion. So I, I've, I've got several thoughts to share. First, let me, let me back up. Um, we were told by uh, Steve O'Donnell from NASCAR that the original plan was to put that into 
uh, Soldier Field in Chicago. That was like the first stop. They went, they did a little site survey. They're like, eh. you know, Soldier Field was renovated and it took out some of the internal portion that we would need to to build the track that we would need. And and, and it became fairly evident pretty quick um, that, you know, Soldier Field was not going to work. So Ben Kennedy's like, well, I wonder if there's any other place. He happened to be in California. He's riding down the freeway, looks over, sees the Coliseum, and then has that has that brainchild of, hmm, I wonder if we can make that work in there. And from there, talks began. Obviously, you're measuring inside. Can we can we get a racetrack in there? Can we do this? Can we do that? And then the boxes started to get checked. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, let's do it. And then and then the time came to actually you know, convert the field to the racetrack. And then we had our race. And then actually they're in the process of ripping up the racetrack. And that's, that to me is a weird thing. Cause it, you know, normally when you go see a race, you can at least at a later date, ride by it, look over and be like, Oh, okay. Hey, remember when we went over there, you know, or, you know, you're riding by Dover, you're riding by Martinsville or whatever. And there, there's always that existing reminder of what you saw. Well, the only reminder we have of what we've seen is through video and pictures and, and, and looking at the Coliseum because the racetrack is gone. It's, it, it's going to be totally gone by the end of the month. That, to me, is just amazing. Now, once we got on the surface, I was very impressed with how quickly NASCAR cycled through the heat races. Because if you've been to the local short track level, you know sometimes that could be a painstaking process. Heat one is done. Okay, let's roll the second one. Let, let's roll the third. It's like, come on, let's go, let's go. Well, NASCAR kept the program moving. That was the first half of the program, the heat races into the last chance qualifiers. Then took a break, and then we came back on the other side, and then we had the actual event itself. There was a lot of entertainment value, and in my opinion, there's a lot of new fan value. I think that the fans that showed up out there got their money's worth. Uh, those of us that tuned in on MRN, maybe watched on on Fox, got our money's worth. It was just different to see, but it was fun to see because there are so many layers. You had a new racetrack, you had a new venue, and then you had the brand new car. And so to, to see all this on display, you know, you could have said, well, man, that's too much. No, it was it was it was just right. Now, Trey, you a moment ago threw out the possibility of moving it around and doing this and doing that. Mm-hmm. I think the best course of action is to do nothing. You don't move it. You don't have those conversations. We have the option for two more years. I say we exhaust those options. I say we go back. I would say put the cake dome over the stadium, preserve it as is, and come back and do it again. But obviously with them ripping up the racetrack, we're going to have to put another track down, which if we decide to go that route, that's going to be no issue because we've proven that we we can already do it. But I think that given the special nature of what we had on Sunday, that if you take that, and you take it out of the Coliseum and you put it at North Wilkesboro or South Boston. If you put it in the middle of this stadium or that baseball field or that that football stadium, I don't think it has as much zest as this one had. Now, at some point, it you know may be better. There may be something else out there. But I think that with all of the things that came together on Sunday, I think we're going to be hard pressed to duplicate that outside of that Coliseum. Trey, what do you think about that? I think that you're probably right. And I think a a big part of that is just the aesthetic of the Coliseum, how awesome it looked, how iconic that venue is. And I'm with you as far as maybe keeping, keeping the clash there maybe for another year. But to be honest, 
I don't want this to hinder what could possibly go on with Auto Club Speedway. And now that seems like it's a little bit up in the air. I want these people to maybe you go back next year and then you have the plans done for Auto Club Speedway and you tell those people that go to that race, you know, in a month. You can go. You can drive 40 miles east, and you can see a high banked version of this at Auto Club Speedway. Maybe something like that. And all. And my my thing too is, with the clash being at the beginning of the year, you're kind of limited in where you're going to go. You're not going to put this in MetLife Stadium near New York City in the first weekend of February. And <laughs> no, <laughs> obviously, what we've seen over the past couple of years. Let's be honest. The All Star Race needs a little bit of work. So I think that. I don't want to overdo this whatsoever, but I think if you have a little bit of, uh, of a tweak here and there, maybe you go to a to a local short track or something like that. But I would like to see something like this, something extremely innovative, go towards the All Star Race as well, and then that opens it up as far as going to MetLife Stadium, going. I don't think you go across the pond to Wembley in the in the middle of the year. Maybe you can do uh, Wembley Stadium for the Clash, but I think this just opens up so many doors. And I love what we did in LA, but it just your your creative juices kind of get flowing a little bit. Like if this worked, it can work in so many different ways, and well, that's why I kind of want to see some of this go towards the All Star Race. Well, and, and and this is where we have to resist the urge to get beyond the tips of our skis. It's like we had such a great experience over the weekend and and people want to put it in Wembley. They want to take it to Mexico City. Well, let's go to Canada. Let's do that. It's like, okay, everybody, just 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 take a breath. Yes, we had success, but you just don't want to pick this thing up and start putting it here, putting it there, because I think that there's a lot to consider. You mentioned Auto Club. Now, this is quite the conundrum, and I think there are two conundrums laying in the balance here. Number one is what do you do with Auto Club Speedway? If this is such a hit, Allow it to be special in the Coliseum and leave Auto Club as is, the two-mile racetrack. Or maybe you get to the end of the three years. Hey, you know what? L.A. Coliseum, you've served us. But I think we're going to go ahead and build a permanent one over in Auto Club. And maybe you wait a couple more years and do it then. I don't think that having one in downtown Los Angeles and having the same exact thing over the Inland Empire um, in Ontario and, and, and Fontana would be the best thing. That's just my opinion. Maybe there's some data and some 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 stats and, and some thoughts out there that would be contrary. But for me, I would like giving them options or at some point making that the only destination over there. I think we stand down on, on Fontana and Auto Club and see how, if we keep the clash at the Coliseum, how that plays out. Now, you mentioned the All-Star Race. I think the successes of the Bush Clash puts pressure on the All-Star Race. NASCAR promoted and coordinated this race. Texas Motor Speedway, Speedway Motorsports is responsible for the all-star race there at, at TMS, at Texas. I think that puts heat on that event to pull off something very similar to what we had. Not necessarily, you know, a, a purpose-built short track somewhere inside of something. But I do think that the all-star race would need to up its game a little bit to now be on par with the Bush Clash because I think the Bush Clash, you know, it's broken through its glass ceiling. I don't think it needs to go back to Daytona, especially after what we got on the weekend. I mean, these are all conversations and, and these are decisions that are going to have to be addressed in Charlotte and Daytona. But the great thing is out of all this, 
is that we had a great experience. I chatted with so many fans that they had a great time. They were entertained. They liked the vibe. They were new. They were buying souvenirs. They were, they were hanging out. They were, they, there was a very young crowd there. And to me, we got a taste of, wow, this is what we could get if we think outside the box. If, if, if we took a risk, and this is a huge risk, it paid off. And I think it opened the doors for more folks to come into our sport, but it also opened doors of schools of thought that, you know, we've done a lot of this, you know, new stuff lately. It started with the COVID pandemic and, you know, we got all of our races in, we did triples, we did double headers, we did race this day, that day. We, we really got creative in that. Now we've gotten creative on this front, pulling this type of event off. I do think the playbook's been expanded and I do think that there are options out there for us. The question is, which way do we go next? We're not going to have the answers to those questions for a while, but but I do know there's a lot of happy folks that are open to a lot of possibilities. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. We'll just see where it takes us. If you tuned in over the weekend, you heard Alex Hayden, you heard Jeff Striegel, you heard Dan Hubbard with the call of the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum. And, and being that we do things a little differently here on Wide Open, we wanted to give you an opportunity to get to know a voice that you hear on Motor Racing Network. You don't hear that voice every week but you hear it sporadically throughout the year. We're talking about Dan Hubbard. He's introduced from being from Rancho Cucamonga, California. You hear Dan on a lot of West Coast races. You hear Dan on a lot of standalones, cup races here and there. Dan's been with the network for a long time. So we figured that we would allow you the opportunity to get to know Dan. Matter of fact, let's uh, let's bring him in right now. Let's go to the NASCAR Live Wide Open Hotline and bring in the the aforementioned Dan Hubbard of Rancho Cucamonga, California. Dan, welcome to Wide Open. Thank you, Mike. Uh, pleasure to be here. Did you say West Coast or Best Coast? Well, well, you West Coasters are think you are the best coasters out there. Us East Coast <laughs> folks don't have anything on you guys. Hey, just want to take a shot there. Thanks for joining us here on Wide Open. And uh, we wanted to get a chance to get to know you. A lot of our listeners heard you over the weekend with your call of the uh, Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum. They hear you on a lot of broadcasts throughout 2022. I guess my first question for you, Dan, do you remember when the first time you ever went to a car race in person and what it was yes. and what was being raced? What was it? I'm, I'm going to say that I was, um, I was probably seven years old, seven and a half years old. My father uh, would take me to this very famous dirt track out in, in a city called Gardena, California, very close to Los Angeles. It was called Ascot Raceway. Ascot Raceway, all dirt. And they had Saturday night shows there with what they called jalopies, late model jalopies, um, purpose-built race cars, if you will, for, for lack of a better word. But basically, they were crash fests. And they had their figure eight races as well. But we would go there every Saturday night. He, he's the one that poisoned me, really. I just I just fell in love with auto racing. And, and you know, the pushing and the shoving and these cars flipping over. And uh, that was fantastic. Well, I, one thing I do remember is after the whole evening was over, fans were allowed to go into the infield. You could just, you know, go down the grandstand steps. They would open the gates. You can go into the infield, talk to the drivers. 
and you could pick up any spare piece of wrecked race car you wanted. If there was a crunched bumper or a bent wheel or something like that, you were you were welcome to take that home. So that was uh, that was pretty exciting. But Ascot Race was my first exposure to, to racing. You know, I think we all had those moments, and we all had those memories to where we have a parent that will take us to the racetrack, and it leaves a lasting impression. You know, one of the things that I always suggest is as we're entering springtime now, and we always hear about take a kid to the ballpark, what about take a kid to the racetrack? It seems like that that, that grassroots effort that you just described with you and your father, it's still in play for a lot of a lot of daughters and sons out there to spend time with their parents, and it's priceless. I mean, look at you. I mean, you're thinking back on something that happened when you were seven. It just seems like that those eternal memories are made even on the grassiest of routes like some of these racetracks we have. And I think it's important to continue that tradition. And I think there was a period of time, let's be honest, where ticket prices might have been a bit prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't speak for all short tracks, but, you know, uh, money gets tight every once in a while. And if you have a family of four, hey, you know, uh, maybe that gets tough. But then NASCAR kind of changed the rules a little bit, particularly for the truck races and the Xfinity races. And, hey, kids 12 and under are free. And you start to see the families come back. I saw a ton of families and, and a ton of parents with kids at that bush-like clash at the Coliseum. That was great to see. And, and you know, they, they stood up and they were pointing, pointing, and, and looking at their dad. And their dad's explaining what was going on. And that their eyes, is, you know, as big as saucers, you know, they were just enjoying the experience. But you're right. It's those childhood memories that you take with you. I always, I always talk to my dad, and I always blame him. I said, you know, I'm here with the Motor Racing Network because you poisoned me as a kid and he, he, we would always laugh about it. But uh, Good yeah, he used to though. take me to Riverside Raceway out here too as well. Well, and that was going to be my next question. There are a couple of racetracks that you have had uh, basically in your quote-unquote neighborhood out there that I've always wanted to announce at. One of them being Ontario, which is now defunct, and the other is a defunct road course, Riverside International Raceway. Dan, I always wanted to call a race at Riverside. I wanted to go to a race at Riverside, and you had the chance to do it on many occasions. Take me around Riverside. What are, what are some of your memories out there about that road course? Well, fantastic. Uh, what a great track and a, and a driver favorite. My uh, relationship with that track was through the Sports Car Club of America, and locally it was called Cal Club, but it was SCCA. And I just, I read a flyer. I was in college at the time taking radio courses, and this flyer said, the SCCA needs volunteers. You don't get paid, but we need corner workers, we need announcers, we need just about everything. And I said, well, shoot, that sounds pretty cool. You know, maybe I get to say something about race cars. Let's, let's go check it out. I made one phone call, and they said, yeah, come on out this weekend. And they stuck me on the legendary turn six, which was an off-camber right-hander. Uh, and I, I just went to town. You know, I was out there kind of doing a bad Barney Hall impersonation because <laughs> I'd listened to MRN all my life. You know, I said, well, I'm just going to do what Barney does as best as I can. And, um, you know, they said, hey, man, we'll, we'll take you every time. They used to race out there every other month, I think, pretty much. It was a pretty regular schedule throughout the spring and the summer. And that's really where I cut my teeth was Riverside International Raceway. Uh, so much so that the uh, lead announcer there, his name was Mark Helmer. And we became, we became very good friends. He sent a demo reel to the Motor Racing Network. Uh, and he got a phone call. And he called me out of the blue. He said, you need to come over to the house. And so I did. 
And I said, what's wrong? Because he was he's kind of down. He goes, well, um, MRN, I sent him a demo tape, and they, and they called me and called me back. And I said, yeah. Well, they said, thank you for your interest. Who's the kid at turn six? Oh, no. Oh, no, yeah. Dan. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. He, he, had, he had included me on his demo reel. And uh, they wanted to know who the kid was at turn six, and that was man, that that was all it took. Um, and you know, I was quote unquote off the races from then. Now, you know, we stayed friends, and I helped him out a lot after that, and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's how I got involved with the Motor Racing Network. Funny story about Riverside National Raceway because Cup used to race there. I believe the track finally closed in '88, '89. They kept promoting that race as the final race ever. 87, 88, 89. This is the final time the NASCAR Cup Series will come to Riverside. You started to doubt it. But uh, Daryl Waltrip, uh, when I asked him about Riverside Raceway, and he goes, Riverside? He goes, I raced there three years before I realized it was paved. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> accurate. Cut through the dirt all the time, through the S's at Riverside, that off-camber right-hander turn six, the long straightaway all the way down to turn nine. They, they reached about 180 down there before the hard right-hand U-turn, it was without question a driver favorite road course because they just they just raised hell out there, you know, raced everywhere except on the track, except on the paved part. You mentioned that led to uh, your MRN tenure, and you've been with us for a while. Been you become a great friend, a, a, a great great colleague, and you add so much to our broadcast. Any any special memories stick out? I mean, I know you shared the booth with a lot of folks and the turns with a lot of folks, and you've been on the crew for a long time. Any any memories stick out more than another, perhaps over your over your time spent with us at MRN? Oh my gosh, my gosh! There's so many, and a lot of them can't there, make there, the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do remember one time at Talladega. A couple things happened at Talladega uh, very early in my career. Um, number one, and of course, you know Eli Gold was with the uh, network for so long, but he was also the voice of Alabama football. And there was a conflict of scheduling there, so we had to do a, an Alabama football game. And uh, John McMullen called me and said, hey, we need you to step in for Eli over at uh, Turn 4, Talladega. Okay. I'd never been and whatnot, and they told me where to stand, stand right up here. And, and I, okay. The entire weekend that I was up there, the fans kept looking up and going, where's Eli? Where's <laughs> Eli? <laughs> He's not here. I'm here. Deal with it. <laughs> but you know what you, you know, described I, that turn position that was that gondola that hung off the top grandstand yeah. and you were above those that were below you and you were below those that were above you and i know that sounds like a weird description but you could hear the crowd like in in the car if you go back and listen to old talladega turn four calls you can hear yes. the crowd come to life and if you said the name earnhardt they lost their minds That's i used to exactly play with them when i worked happened. out there that's exactly what happened, and, and and we were getting down to it. I cannot recall the year. Earnhardt had been kind of just nosing around, you know, the top five, fourth, whatever, blah, blah. And then he made a move off turn two where he passed three cars down the back straightaway. And, and, and it was dropped to me, and I said, it has been a, something, it has been a high-speed freight train all afternoon, and now Dale Earnhardt is your new engineer because he had moved to the point. That crowd went <laughs> ballistic just because I said Earnhardt. I mean, they just they just lost it. They just lost it, and he was leading. And I do remember that. You know, over a hundred thousand people just lighting up. That was uh, that sent chills 
Down my back. Yeah. Special memories, yeah. my friend. Special memories, special calls. You've been a part of them, and we're so glad that you have been, and we're a better network because you've been with us. Appreciate you joining us here on NASCAR Live Wide Open. Great call at the Clash. Can't wait to hear more of you in 2022. Mike, thanks for having me on the show, man. Appreciate it. That's our Dan Hubbard, our West Coast correspondent, as it were, for the Motor Racing Network. Fantastic broadcaster and fantastic friend. Hope you enjoyed that time spent with with Dan. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Trey, before we go, I know that you and I have chatted about maybe some some prop bets, some some interesting exercises as far as the competition's concerned. What do you have for us this week? Yeah, so this week we're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a left turn. We're not gonna look at specific odds in the book. So first we're gonna start with we're gonna start with NASCAR. We know that there's a, a big game out in the same city that we just had the uh, the clash at. So we'll close with that. We'll look at some of the funkiest uh, prop bets that you can get out there. But first we're going to we're going to preview the season and I'm going to pose a little bit of a game of over under to you Mike. So I've okay. got a couple questions here. I've set it up over under and we're going to view this as kind of a a little bit of a makeshift season preview here and we're going to go through bunch of different things on off the track and we'll get your take on where you think the season's going to kind of go. Okay. And one of the big storylines at the beginning of last year was first-time winners. Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500, then Christopher Bell won at the Daytona Road Course. You had Bubba Wallace winning at Talladega late in the season. There are quite a few names that people peg this year as possible first-time winners, and I've set the number at one and a half, over under one and a half first-time winners in 2022. Oh, I'll go over on that. I mean, if you look at at, at the, the opportunities for... First-time winners, that is a target-rich environment. The ones that immediately come to mind, Track House and 2311. Those Toyota contingents, they've they've obviously added new drivers, and they've expanded their operations. But I'm also going to throw Colleg Racing into this. Now, they won a race last year with A.J. Allmendinger on the road course at Indianapolis. But between Justin Haley in the 31 car and then that rideshare rotisserie in the 16 with A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Hemrick, Noah Gregson, I'm thinking Colleg Racing is good for at least one win. It wouldn't surprise me if they got that one win or more. So just that alone, not including other first-time winners that are in waiting, I would say that I'll definitely take the over of one and a half on that one without question. I think I set that one a little bit easy for you. I mean, if you look <laughs> I at know, the, right? <laughs> if, you, if you look at the two that are that stick out to me as far as these guys are, I'm pretty confident in saying I think that they're going to win in 2022. Tyler Reddick, that guy's waiting to waiting to win. He's going to get to victory lane this year. And then you got to look at uh, Ross Chastain, Chase Briscoe, Austin Sendrick. There are a ton of guys. We could really have a breakthrough year in terms of first-time winners. Now, the other storyline that encompassed all of last season was one young money. Kyle Larson, he won the championship, won 10 points-paying races plus the all-star race, and... Half of that would be a great season, again, for Kyle Larson. 
So that's where I'm setting the number. Over under five trips to victory lane for Larson in 2022. Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, so here's what we have on that. So immediately when you talk about you know, drivers and success – and then being met with challenge on the other side. Kevin Harvick's name immediately comes up. 2020 had nine wins. Comes back the following year, none. Now, Harvick was not the champion. Obviously, Chase Elliott was. But Kyle Larson had a lot of success last year, but he's got a brand new race car. Everything else is virtually the same, personnel-wise and all that. So you're coming back. You got new hardware. You got a new race car to learn. And there's a lot of folks that say, well, you know what? He got he got 10. Well, technically, he got 11 last year because he won the All-Star race. Well, he's going to win 15. Uh, let's back it down. That's uh, To me, you got to come back about five clicks on that one. I would say that I would take the over. He's good for at least five, but I'm not convinced he's good for at least for, for a maximum of 10. Now, to me, they were showing off last year. I mean, they got it. They understood it. They maximized their performance, and it seemed like every single week, Kyle Larson bubbling up to the surface. That's a very unique design over there between Larson and Cliff Daniels, that over-the-wall team, and that five bunch. I do think they'll have success. I don't think that they'll win 10 races or 11, if you include the all-star race. But I do think they'll get at least five. What do you think, Trey? Uh, that that one's really, really tough for me. I could almost I set the number, but I could almost go with a push there. I would love to see a season where four or five wins is the most wins by anybody on the schedule. I know dominance sells and dominance is kind of a a sexy storyline, but if we have parity to the point where we're seeing a ton of different winners and three, four wins is the max you're getting into the season and you're going into the playoffs where you think any of those 16 drivers could end up driving for the championship in Phoenix, that would be an absolutely phenomenal year for me. And they've talked about this uh, this new car kind of evening the playing field. And I mean, we the clashes might be a little bit of an outlier, but look at Daniel Suarez, look at Justin Haley, look at those guys that were, that were up front this past weekend in the Coliseum. And I think that this season is so hard to predict because you're going to have teams probably hit it early on. And I think we're going to go to go through a lot of ebbs and flows this season. And with what we've heard about Atlanta, we might be adding two more super speedway races to the schedule this season. And those are so hard to predict. So I think four or five wins is, is where I'm going with Larson. And he still might end up in, in Phoenix with the, with the championship four, and that's where I'm going to go with this next, Mike. Over under two and a half of the championship four last year gets to the championship four this year. So Larson, Elliott, Truex, Hamlin, over under two and a half of those same drivers are racing for the cup in Phoenix come November. I will go under on that one. I'm thinking that maybe one or two could repeat, but I'm not thinking that we'll get all four to repeat to uh, a, a trip to the championship four race. I think that we're going to have, I think we're going to have some different people in some new positions this coming year. I think that we're going to have some different faces, perhaps maybe shake things up a little bit, and perhaps maybe a couple of the championship four from last year get left behind for this year's. I'm going to take one or two, so I'll take the under. What do you have? I'm going to go with the under as well. I think there are guys ready to break through and get to their first championship for like Ryan Blaney. We saw Joey Logano win this past weekend, only had one win uh, last year. We could see a renaissance of Joey Logano this year. Practice is back. Kyle Busch 
seems to love practice and adjusting on his car, Kyle Busch could be a contender this year as well. I just think that there are so many guys that could get to Phoenix this year that it's hard to say three of the same four guys could get back there. So, Mike, this one's super hard to predict because uh, we don't really know who's going to be looking for for new rides 100% yet. But we had two former champions in Kurt Busch and Brad Keselowski switch teams this past season. Over under one NASCAR Cup Series champion in the middle of the season announces that they will be driving for a new team come 2023. Oh, I'll take the under. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. I, I I think that it was timing. Um, and I, I know that probably folks are going to look to Kevin Harvick that, uh, well, first of all, he's not going to change teams. He, he's going to be with Stuart Haas until he hangs up his helmet. But looking at all of the others out there, I don't, I don't necessarily see a change of plan. I think that, you know, whatever champion that you're thinking of, that champion will complete the season and, and will stay put. Do you have somebody that's on your radar? I think that there are a couple that are possibilities, but I'm going to go with you on the under. I don't think we see a champ move this offseason. The biggest name possibly out there that really could be looking for another ride, Tyler Reddick, is in an expiring contract, and you've got you know Stuart Haas with Eric Almarola retiring, could be looking for a new driver. Names that could be interesting, Kyle Busch at NASCAR Media Days this year wouldn't go as far as to say that he is under contract at Joe Gibbs come 2023 so that will be an interesting story to follow but I think ultimately Kyle stays there another interesting name could be Martin Truex Jr. because he signed a contract extension at the beginning of last year but we don't know uh we don't know how long how long that is so that's uh that's where I'm gonna go with there and I've got one more question for you Mike and it pertains to the two champs that moved to a different team going into this season. Kurt Busch to 2311 drives their 45 car, and then Brad Keselowski becoming a part owner at Roush Fenway, RFK. He is driving their six car over under three combined wins for Keselowski and Busch in 2022. I will take the under on that if there are any wins to be had at all. Because I look at Kurt Busch, he's going to an expanding 2311. I think there's work to do. I think Kurt will maximize his equipment. He always has. Uh, But you got Brad going over to RFK. That's Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. And to me, he's got more work to do. Because while 2311 is fresh and, yeah, they're newly expanding, I think that, that you've got to somehow turn that Roush Fenway Keselowski freight train around and get it going in the other direction. I think that's going to take it's going to take a while. It can't happen overnight. Now when Brad went in, he went in with he went in with, you know, going to going to paint the walls and paint the floors and do this and that and and fresh start and all that stuff. And 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 I believe that. If Brad if if there's anybody out there who can turn around the performance of a team like Roush Fenway has with their struggles over the last decade, I believe over time it could be Brad Keselowski, but I do think we're going to have to allow time for that fruit to appear on the tree. I think the branches are going to be bare for a little bit. Now, if he's able to break through, get a win here, get a win there, hey, that's awesome. But I don't have that expectation. I think it's going to take a little time. And I do think Kurt Busch over at 2311 will have an easier go of it than Brad over at RFK. That's just my opinion. So I will go under on that one. 
I'm going to go over simply because I think that Kurt Busch could end up being a dark horse, you know, re-breakthrough this year. We saw what Martin Truex Jr. was able to do at Furniture Row with the with the Gibbs Alliance. I think that especially with the new car, I think we are getting closer and closer to 2311 having the same equipment that Gibbs has had. And Kurt got multiple wins when he was at Stuart Haas Racing. And I think Keselowski is good for at least one super speedway win every single season. So I'm going to go the over on that. That'll I'm going to close out the over-under. And I just want to look at, you know, everybody loves the Super Bowl, Mike. And uh, the Super Bowl of NASCAR is next week in terms of the Daytona 500. We'll look at some prop bets for that next week. But I just love looking at some of these wacky prop bets that you can get for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Did you know that you can bet on the color of the Gatorade that will be doused on the winning coach <laughs> for for the Super Bowl? It's not surprising. It, it's not surprising. You know what? For that one, I'll go. I'll go orange on that. Orange, orange, and blue are the are the favorites for for this year as far as uh, what you can bet on simply because of the team colors. I don't know if I'm going orange simply because of the team that uh, is going to win win this year in the Super Bowl. I just think that one of the teams might be a little bit uh, ahead of schedule in terms of going to the Super Bowl. You can bet on the songs that are going to be performed in the halftime show. You can bet an over-under time on the national anthem. You can bet on how many punts are going to be in the Super Bowl. So th- it's just so fun and we're going to uh we're going to take a look at some for the Daytona 500 next week and maybe I'll even create a couple uh just oh, to add, add add a add a little bit of fun to that. As far as the line goes to the for the Super Bowl, the Rams at home are are four point favorites. I know you don't come to come to this show for football advice, but <laughs> I I uh, I like the Rams. I just think that uh Cincinnati might be a, a year ahead of schedule and yeah. their weakness is their offensive line and when you got guys like Aaron Donald on the on the Rams defensive line uh I think that the Rams and Matthew Stafford gets a gets a crowning moment if and you can also bet on the MVP of the game Aaron Donald might be a smart one there that's that's all I've got as far as the bets go this week I'll tell you what why don't we why don't we challenge the listener if you have a Daytona 500 prop bet that you would like Trey to serve up why don't you tweet us at MRN radio hashtag NASCAR live and we may use that on next week's Wide Open. So be sure to go to Twitter, hashtag NASCAR Live, so we can find it. And then perhaps maybe Trey will read one of your prop bets during next week's show. By the way, before we get out of here, just want to remind you, we've got racing this weekend. While we've got the Super Bowl going on, the NASCAR Wheeland Modified Tour is kicking off their season at New Smyrna Speedway. It's, quote-unquote, right down the street from the big track. It's about 15 minutes away. It'll be the New Smyrna Visitors Bureau 200 be their first race ever at New Smyrna and their first race of 2022. If you're going to Daytona early for speed weeks, go on out to New Smyrna Speedway. Check them out. The Mod Squad going to be on that very tight racetrack. And then, of course, that sets the stage next week for our arrival into Daytona. MRN will have coverage of NASCAR Cup Series practice on Tuesday, Daytona 500 Media Day, and Daytona 500 qualifying next Wednesday. And then, of course, the Blue-Green Vacations Duel, the truck opener, the Xfinity opener, and the Daytona 500. Next week, we'll catch up with you on NASCAR Live Tuesday. NASCAR Live Wide Open will originate from Daytona next Thursday. And then, of course, NASCAR Live Race Day coming up uh, for the duel on Thursday and then for the 64th Daytona 500 on Sunday. Appreciate you all for joining us. Hope you had a great time. We did. We'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live 
wide open. For producer Trey and everyone else here at MRN, I'm Mike Bagley. Thank you so much. Chat with you all next week, folks. Take care. So long. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.